0: Hello, welcome to our first episode of Listen in English, totally in English. Yes! (laughs) 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 And to start it off with the right foot, we have a very special guest. She is like family to me. No, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> she's literally like family to me. <laughs> she's blood of my blood. She's my cousin, Deborah. How are you?
1: Good. How are you, ladies? Thank you so much for having me.
0: Good. And thank you, you for being here. And we're here with Monica as well.
2: Hey, <laughs> that's me.
0: <laughs> so, Deborah. Who are you? What do you do? And what do you eat?
1: (laughs) Yes. So I always,
0: we always ask people that, like, who are you? (laughs) Quem (laughs) é você? O que você faz? O que você come? And this is actually the first time this question makes sense. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. So
1: it's definitely going to make sense because I am a functional nutritionist. So this is definitely something that I get asked all the time. (laughs) Like, what do you eat? Um so a functional nutritionist just means that I um I restore people's bodies like in terms of how their bodies are functioning and I specialize in digestive health. So restoring digestive function, uh that's pretty much what I do through diet and lifestyle. That's what I do. I'm I mean who I am, that's I'm just a nutritionist. I'm a normal regular <laughs> person. I'm a mom, you know, a mom and a professional. That's how I see myself. So, what do I eat? I eat everything, pretty much. I, I do live like a very healthy lifestyle. I eat a lot of greens, a lot of fruit. Um, mm-hmm. but if you were to go through like a basic day, like yeah, a just, regular yeah. day for me, <laughs> generally, yeah,
0: just in like general. I eat a
1: lot of like you know yogurt bowls and fruit and eggs and lots of green smoothies and things like that so that's what I usually eat lots of salads lots of vegetables that's what my diet consists of not a lot of junk food yes like I'll eat junk food once in a while like I have to really be craving like a hamburger Mm -hmm. or some you know ice cream or pizza or something like that Mm -hmm. but for the most part I actually enjoy eating healthy
2: I crave yeah.
0: salads. <laughs> you you crave healthy food. I crave yeah, that's, healthy.
2: That's the problem, yeah. right? I don't crave healthy
1: food. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's usually the opposite, right? Like people are, don't really want to eat a salad. They
2: yeah, because they're
1: craving more carbs, right?
2: And it's not that I don't like salad. I I like salad. I like some fruits, not most foods. I don't eat, but I don't crave that. You know. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know. You don't have (laughs) that
0: moment, like, oh, I
2: need to eat artichokes. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) I've never felt that like ever. One day, you know, (laughs) maybe maybe one day. Yeah, I
1: hope so. It's definitely definitely something you need to build.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. How, How was it for you?
1: Like to get healthy?
2: Yeah, like like to want, to crave salad, you know? To crave salad. So
1: from like a regular point of view and not like a professional or scientific point of view, I just had to, I just had to do it. You know, I just Mm like, I also, (laughs) I also like I, because I studied nutrition, I Mm -hmm. also started to find out like what those bad foods were doing to my body. And that freaked Mm -hmm. me out a little bit. So I'm like, okay, like I need to eat healthy. And then once you start eating healthy, like things that you say, okay, let's take ice cream, for example, like if you eat ice cream all the time, and then you start eating healthy, and then you go back to eating ice cream, it's just too sweet. It doesn't taste good anymore. Right, because mm-hmm. you haven't mm-hmm. had sugar for so long, and then you have a little bit of, it and you're like, "Ew! Like this is way too sweet for me." So mm-hmm. that's how I feel. Like you know, anything that's like overly sweet just doesn't taste good to me because all I can taste is sugar. It's not even there's no flavor there. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just pure sugar.
0: Yeah, yeah or so the that's fat. how. Yeah, and then like I literally taste the fat in it. Yeah.
1: exactly so like if i go out and have a hamburger usually like i'll get a salad on the side but you know my partner gets fries, and then i have a fry and all i can taste is the oil it Mm -hmm. feels like i'm it feels like i'm drinking the oil from the deep fryer so it's gross to me yeah Uh yeah (laughs) it's gross to me because i can because i've like taught my body to taste those things Mm -hmm. right yeah. And then from like a scientific point of view, let's say like, cause I specialize in digestive health, the like, I don't know if you guys heard of like probiotics and the mm-hmm. good bacteria that's in your gut. It mm-hmm. literally tells you what to eat. So if you feed your gut, you know, like junk food, it's going to want junk food and that's what you're going to crave. But mm-hmm. if you eat healthy food, then that's what the bacteria is going to want. It's going to want healthier foods so it's going to make you crave healthy food so that's like a scientific point of view too so yeah it's just about doing it it's not easy and definitely mm-hmm. maybe working with a professional helps too because it can guide you a little bit better because I find people who do it on their own they they get it they get overwhelmed because they try to do everything at once mm-hmm yeah, so maybe trying to work with, you know, a nutritionist or someone like that, that way you can, that way you have a strategy, opposed mm-hmm. to just doing things randomly.
0: Yeah, and you go That's little it. by little, right? You don't do every everything at once, you know, like you start eating differently, like I just cut all the junk food of exactly. my life from yeah. one day to the other, and I started exercising, it's too much.
1: Yeah, definitely have to do one thing at a time for sure. Yeah, a lot easier when you do
0: that. Let's start from the beginning, right? Let's go back about 20 years. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> 22 years. 20, it's been 22?
1: 22. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, you went to Canada really young, right?
1: Yes, I was 7.
0: Actually, I was i uh, was trying to remember all the process. It mm-hmm. was for you your your going because we were the same age, right? Me, you, Cassia, Marina, Grazi. Yes. And Gabriel, we were we were all cousins and we were all mm-hmm. the same age, so we were very close. Yes. And you lived you guys lived in Curitiba with like closer to me and Marina? Yes. And then out of the blue, you were in Canada. Yeah.
1: That's how I felt like
0: right yeah as kids we didn't have much choice right you were there so how was the 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 process of of moving of uh, getting used to a different culture a different school a different language how was it for you
1: yeah so it's funny because like when you said that like you know you had to when I you know when I got invited to this podcast I'm like okay like what was that process of leaving and coming to a whole new country and I had to go back into that gray area of my memory and really mm-hmm. go back to that seven-year-old me and like what was going on in my head kind of thing. It was funny because today I started to remember at when we were leaving Brazil that they did have like a goodbye party for us at school and I uh-huh. remember like saying goodbye to people but not Mm -hmm. really understanding like what was going on. Cause you're only seven. You don't know what's, you know, I was only seven. I didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then coming to like a whole new country, I remember that it was a huge culture shock, right? Cause it's not like you're moving cities where, Mm -hmm. you know, it's still the same language, still the same um, culture. But it's mm-hmm. like a whole different language, a whole different culture, different weather, because Canada is
0: <laughs> Definitely. freezing.
1: And we came in the winter because we left. It was December of like 96 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was super hot in Brazil. And I remember coming and it was just, there was so much snow. And mm-hmm. like, it was exciting, right? Because it's something new. Mm -hmm. But I remember like once we settled, it was just this huge culture shock and things weren't as like the rainbows and butterflies were gone very quickly, let's say.
0: Mm -hmm. No, because you you arrived not only in the dead of winter, but it was in the middle of the term as well.
1: Exactly. So like school here starts in September, it goes from September to June. So Mm -hmm. coming in December, like that's the middle of their school year, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember going to school and it was horrifying. <laughs> there's like, there's, there was nothing positive about, I mean, actually, when I looked back, I'm like, okay, so what are the positive things, right? Because like, I'm trying to see, you know, life through a different perspective. And I remember having a really great, like grade one teacher, because I went to grade one first, which I think is Primeira série in Brazil.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was back then.
1: Exactly. So grade one, I had a wonderful grade one teacher. I remember now her like really spending a lot of time with me. But I got like it was hard to make friends because I didn't speak the language. And it wasn't like where majority of the kids in your class are actually like speak English as a second language. Mm
3: -hmm. Back
1: then it was like all native Canadians in your class. Like I was the only kid in the outsider. class that didn't speak English exactly. So it was very difficult to make friends. It was even like embarrassing story here. like it was even like hard to ask the teacher to go to the bathroom. Oh. And I was so shy that I would just like literally pee my pants.. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, like I laugh about it now, right? Because mm-hmm. it's hilarious to just think of this like shy kid doesn't speak English, just sitting there, and then like all of a sudden there is like this wet mark on the carpet after circle time. <laughs> <'Cause> she, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's very difficult. But I gotta say though, like the school system did provide, um, like they provide free English classes, right? So they would take mm. us out of the class. And it's called ESL. So English um, as second a second language. language. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. English as a second language. And we would go to the ESL classes and they would teach us English. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember it being a, like, from what I remember, I remember it being like a really good program. And we were actually very lucky because we established ourselves in a Portuguese speaking community. Mm hmm. Yeah. So when we would go to like the bakery, when we would go to like the grocery store, even in our school, like the guidance counselor was Portuguese, like Portuguese from Portugal, but mm-hmm. we spoke the same language. So I remember mm-hmm. being fortunate in that sense and having that type of support, at least for our family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was difficult, but again, like, I guess we were fortunate because we were so like, cause I was so little um, you pick up language so much faster mm-hmm. than an adult, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Like that's why like some people they're like, oh, like you don't even have an accent, right? So because uh-huh. I was so little and you pick up language so quickly that you don't even have an accent. I think it's if you're younger than fourteen, you don't have an accent. Mm-hmm. Although I must say yeah, I don't- yeah you guys don't hear it but I will say that my partner who's 100% Canadian like it doesn't get more Canadian than him because he actually (laughs) likes winter so I'm like that's like hardcore Canadian if you like winter you're super Canadian um he tells me that I have an accent really yeah so he says that I like because you know how in Portuguese you Hold your vowels a little bit more, like you sing almost when uh-huh. you're yes. speaking. You hold your mm-hmm. vowels, and yeah. there's a lot of ahs in, involved when you're speaking Portuguese. And also, when I say any words with Rs and mm-hmm. Ss, like he says, that I really emphasize the Rs and the Ss, and I say a lot of ahs, like the, my vowels mm-hmm. are very elongated when I speak. So, I've had like Americans tell me that I sound like I'm from Boston.
2: yeah (laughs) Yeah, i was trying to identify like the the (laughs) accent it sounds yeah exactly (laughs) yeah they're like it
1: sounds like you're from boston like you know like i like say my a's and stuff like that so that's Uh what people so if you're like hardcore canadian you can probably hear my accent still but a lot of people don't it doesn't phase them like my accent doesn't phase them
2: Mm-hmm. And do you still do you still speak Portuguese? How 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 do you feel about it?
1: <laughs> no, I love speaking Portuguese. Like I have an accent when I speak Portuguese. So like mm-hmm. when I go to Brazil, people make fun of me because my Portuguese <laughs> sucks. Right? Um, I do people speak Portuguese he, by people. You mean your family, right? I mean my family. <laughs> my family makes fun of me, um, and. Even, like, I remember when I spent some time in Brazil, I think it was, like, five years ago, I spent a few months in Brazil. And I remember going to the store and people would just automatically be like, you're not from here, are you? And I'm like, oh, my (laughs) God, like, how do you know? (laughs) know, Like, your accent, you know, you have, like, this really thick accent when you speak Portuguese. So it's really funny that now I have a Portuguese accent opposed to, you know, Mm -hmm. and english accent so mm-hmm. i think that that's really funny um i speak portuguese when i have to really mm-hmm. i'm trying to teach my daughter portuguese mm-hmm. so she watches like brazilian cartoons nice. and yeah so we let her watch uh Galinha Pinta pintadinho which is such a cute yeah. little yeah <laughs> so she watches mm-hmm. that and she's learned like some words like when she goes to wash her hands, for example, she says, Lava Mão. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So instead of saying, like, Mommy, let's go wash my hands, she goes and she sings, like, the little song that they sing in the show to go wash yeah. her hands. Mm-hmm. So, because I want her to be bilingual. Mm-hmm. I want her to know, like, also where she comes from as well. So, mm-hmm. and then I speak Portuguese with, like, you know, Brazilian people in the community. Um, at the hospital, there was actually quite a few Brazilian doctors, so we would speak Portuguese with them and yeah, so I pretty much speak it when I have to. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of Brazilian professionals in Canada, which is mm-hmm. insane when I like the Brazilian community, even in Whippy, So I live 45 minutes away from Toronto, which is like one of the main cities in Canada And even in my, like, city, like, in Whitby, there's so many Brazilians here. Like, I go to the grocery store, and I hear all these Brazilian people talking, you know. Mm -hmm. And the Brazilian community in Toronto itself is huge. Mm -hmm.
3: Um,
1: And I was shocked, too, at the amount of Brazilian doctors that work at Toronto general, because that's the hospital that I work at. And there's so many, like, Brazilian cardiologists and radiologists And they're pretty up there too, so it kind of makes me proud. Like, okay, like you know, like Brazilian like professionals taking over like really big, um, what do you call it? Really big Canadian um, industries, Mm -hmm. right? Especially like in terms of like being a doctor in Canada, that's huge, I think, Mm
0: -hmm. for
1: Mm -hmm. someone who comes from Brazil.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that proves that Brazilian can and will take over the world. (laughs) yes
1: there you go we're we're spreading our seeds everywhere
0: (laughs) yeah the the amount of people here that come from brazil is uncanny like uh i live in the middle of nowhere practically here in england it's the center of england it's two hours away from london and still like i have a whatsapp group and there's like there's 120 women Just in the in the in the um, county. Mm -hmm. Wow,
1: like 180 Brazilian women.
0: Yeah, only the women. Apart, like we're not counting the men and the children. Only the women. Wow. So yeah, that's a lot of people. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's That's really cool, though,
1: that Brazilians are all over the world.
0: Mm -hmm. And we're all learning English, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I was I was going to ask you, uh, was it confusing for you to grow up speaking two languages? Because I hear this a lot, like people, I don't want to teach my, my child English from a young age. Because oh, no. uh, I'm afraid that's going to confuse them or mess with their heads. Did it happen to you?
1: No, I don't remember it being confusing. I remember like, I remember it like being like the languages in my head being very distinguished, like what was English and what was Portuguese. Mm -hmm. And you're actually doing an injustice, like because kids, like I said earlier, like kids learn languages so quickly, but that's Mm -hmm. when you want them to learn languages is when they're really young, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't remember it being confusing. I remember like my siblings and I, we would Play around and pretend that we're speaking English, so we would mix like English words with Portuguese words, Um, Mm -hmm. and we knew that we were just fooling around that we weren't speaking proper English. So Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember it being confusing. I think it was very clear in my head like what was English and what was Portuguese. So like I don't think that I think that parents underestimate how smart kids can be. Yeah, so I definitely don't remember it being confusing. And, you know, going back to, like, teaching my daughter, for example, how to speak Portuguese. When I speak Portuguese with her, she knows Mm -hmm. that it's a different language because she looks at me differently.
2: Mm And She looks at my
1: mouth, right? She looks at my mouth and she's, like, trying to figure out what I'm trying to say to her. And then when I Mm -hmm. speak English, she doesn't even have to look at my mouth because she knows, like, she... Like, obviously, English is her first language. So
3: mm-hmm.
1: when I speak Portuguese, because she knows it's a different language, she pays more attention to my mouth. Mm. So I think kids are a lot smarter than we think they are.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, with adults, it's different. Um, so I can say for me it wasn't difficult, but I know that for adults it's very different. Like, you can see, like, even for me, like, when I try to speak Portuguese, and then I'm trying to say a word in Portuguese, but it comes out in English or vice versa,
2: <laughs> right?
1: So you're once you start to be more fluent in two languages, then it can get, not confusing, but it's just hard to think about what that word is in that language.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this happens to, to both of us, right, Monica? We were, <laughs> mm-hmm. we were talking about that in a, in a podcast uh, a while back that we are so used to speaking English nowadays because we live off it.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
0: Some sometimes we get home and it just you know it, it that click moment doesn't happen. And we go like oh what's the word for for a word that frequently forget is the Portuguese word for cozy.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What is the Portuguese word for cozy?
2: Confortável.
0: confortável is another thing. It's yeah, yeah, but aconchegante. It's oh, such okay. a long exactly. word, and it really doesn't translate what
2: what. Yeah, cozy is better. Cozy.
0: Yeah, just it fits better. And that's
2: so interesting. Know,
0: yeah, and it just gets confusing and you you're trying <laughs> to speak one word but it ends up coming out another word and in the end so you do can you guys speak ever get either languages. And
1: yeah, so do you guys ever get home and like start to speak English with your spouses?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they're like, what are you trying to say to me right now?
2: <laughs> yes. I, I have I have no click. Like this click moment like I don't know what that is anymore because I uh even when I'm talking to my boyfriend now like I start speaking Portuguese and then I say something in English and I continue in English and he does that too sometimes. Oh, so he uh, speaks we were- English. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We were just talking about it uh yesterday I think like we should start speaking more in English. Like more fre- frequently, you know. We don't do yeah. it that often, but I think it's I I don't have the click anymore. <laughs> Because even in Brazil, like, I find that English,
1: at least from what I see, like, on social media, English is becoming, like, almost like a sec- second language.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little by little. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you, if you go on the street, for example, and you're, you're, like, a gringo and you're lost and you try to get, you try to get information out of, out of a cab driver or something, then you won't get that easily. Uh, okay, people don't speak english on the streets you know <laughs> Just, uh they sometimes some people oh no i'm going to get so much hate for that but uh <laughs> they kind of make believe that they speak english on so- social media um... <laughs> there's some some buzzwords you know like like bromation mm,
1: you
3: mean yeah or... like
0: if that's one thing okay yeah you can you can get by with information, but what I mean is no. But uh, what I mean is you you know a couple of words like hashtag gratitude. Okay. You know, you post that <laughs> oh, online. I see what you're saying. Yeah, And like suddenly you speak English, but you don't. You don't speak proper mm-hmm. English, you know, just like a few mm-hmm. words, but you don't know how to make a sentence or <laughs> you don't know how to get by in in a foreign country. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That must be frustrating for you guys. Being, it is. You're both English teachers, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that must be Still. frustrating to see these. Like, cool Brazilian people pretending to speak English.
0: (laughs) It doesn't do us justice. No, of course not. Yeah. And that's,
1: maybe that's a new, like, market that you guys can hit, you know, like, you guys can advertise to these cool, like, Brazilian influencers (laughs) on social media who need to learn how to speak English properly. (laughs) That would be, like, a, a good different market to get into. No, it's like, funny too though because sometimes like when I um, like when I hear Brazilian mm. people try to speak English here it mm-hmm. kind of irritates me too because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like oh my goodness like that's not how you pronounce that word you know and I mean like everyone's trying their best and doing what they can but sometimes yeah. it's very frustrating it's like oh my goodness like you know pronunciation is everything
3: mm-hmm. and
1: and what frustrates me the most, though, is people who have been here for a very long time and their English is still, like, they can barely get by.
3: Mm-hmm. That uh-huh. is something
1: that I don't understand. And it's obviously because they just stay within their Brazilian communities and Portuguese mm-hmm. communities, because that's how that's how Toronto is pretty much, like... Um, Like Toronto is built with like these cultural communities. There's like the Portuguese community, the Chinese community, the uh, Jamaican community, let's say. And people Mm -hmm. stay within their communities and they don't learn how to speak proper Mm -hmm. English because they're just, you know, within their own community. So and then it just boggles my mind that 20 years later, you still speak the same amount of English that you did 20 years ago. So Mm -hmm. that's very funny.
0: Yeah, it happens here. Like I, I used to teach this lady. She was from India and she, she lives here for 30, 35 years. Her children speak English. Her grandchildren speak English, but she doesn't. She doesn't know how to get to the grocery store because her grocer yeah, is <laughs> also from India. So she doesn't have to okay. communicate uh, in in English, in and the same thing happens here, uh, especially in the bigger cities like London or Birmingham. It happens with Portuguese as well, uh with Brazilian people. Like some people, they don't know how to speak English. They live here for fifteen, twenty years, and they don't speak because they find it too hard. Uh, and I understand yeah. because of the because of the accent, you know, yeah. British English. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit harder. To understand mm-hmm. that than American or Canadian English. Okay. American and Canadian English, they sound so much clearer to me. Yeah. Oh, okay,
1: yeah. No, that is true. That's for sure.
0: Even Canada being a colony. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> British colony. <laughs> Pretty much. Heard, yeah, like, I don't know. I, sorry. I, I know that the the context is different, but I've heard of people coming... People who came to Brazil from I don't know Germany and uh Italy. Um and, and, yes, and they their their kids speak Portuguese, their grandchildren speak Portuguese, but they didn't learn how to speak. Yeah, like they speak some words, but
0: it's my husband's family, you know, like his mother, he she came uh thirty years ago. Well, she went to Brazil thirty years ago and she mm-hmm. still has this very strong accent. His mother. His mother, yeah. Okay. But she, but she
1: speaks Portuguese.
0: She does. Uh, she's quite better at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I, you know.
3: <laughs> after you <came laughs> in the picture. After me. After me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, after we no my now. <laughs> were born. Yeah, no. After my nieces <laughs> were born, she she understood. That she had to speak Portuguese because that was what her grandchildren would speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but they are so tight in that community, so close mm-hmm. uh, in that community that they, you know, people that are older than her, uh, they don't speak Portuguese at all. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: they're 80 or 70 years old now. Yeah. But an interesting thing happens really when they go back. To the Netherlands, or if people that lived uh, so much time away from Brazil came back to Brazil and mm-hmm. started speaking Portuguese, they speak a different Portuguese or a different Dutch than mm-hmm. what is spoken in that country now. Okay, you know what I mean. That's true.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Because
0: the language changes. Yeah. Yeah, that's so beautiful.
2: That's Isn't very it? interesting, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, it's actually very interesting how language can change because it's funny that you say that because when I go to Brazil or when I speak Portuguese with someone Mm
3: -hmm.
1: like they say that I speak so formal
3: Mm -hmm. like that
1: the way I speak (laughs) is very formal in Portuguese Mm -hmm. because I guess when you adapt to language you adapt to um what's the word I'm trying to say um see I can think of it in Portuguese but I can't think (laughs) (laughs) yeah Like you speak, oh yeah, the slang. Exactly, you speak in yeah. slang, right? Yeah. When you speak a certain language, because you've adopted to how that, like how people speak in your community. Mm-hmm. So that's very funny that you mentioned that because it's very true. Mm-hmm. And even like when, like when people speak English who are not from here, they speak so formal. Mm-hmm. And then we you know like we because I speak in slang pretty much right we cut our words or we say certain words that a formal speaking person wouldn't say so that's very interesting that you touch upon that because I do find that that is that is true so mm-hmm. that's very interesting yeah.
0: that that happened with me when I came here uh, a, a year and a half ago because when we when we talk about British English we Think of uh, BBC English right. or Downton Abbey or any <laughs> epic movie, you know, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> and no one talks yeah. like that, no one. Like, oh, dear, let's have something. <laughs> <laughs> no one talks like that, you know? It's just like, oi, innit? Uh, 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 you know? <laughs> but so yeah, they speak of- their
1: slang, right?
0: Uh-huh, and when you... You don't adapt. You're not ready for it, Mm -hmm. and you just have that shock. I told Monica, I think three three times already, (laughs) that when I when I came here, I just I I questioned myself as a professional.
1: (laughs) Oh no, I'm sure.
0: I was like, I I can't speak English at all because I can't understand a word that these guys are saying. You know, (laughs) (laughs) the lady turns to me in the in the in the drugstore, like, do you need a bag? I was like, what? (laughs) <laughs> like oh do you need a bag okay yeah no I don't <laughs> she says, yeah that like, must be bag.
1: difficult
0: yeah I, and I imagine for you as a little kid like you were seven years old and and your siblings like
1: like I said I feel like it was hard especially like communicating in school mm-hmm. but then once you like the good thing about human beings is that we adopt really well Mm-hmm. right so I think that and my mom was really good too at um going to the library and getting like these binders I remember like sh- these like huge thick binders of mm-hmm. you know like fruits and vegetables and colors and stuff all in English and she would get the tapes like the cassette tapes for uh, us to listen to when we would get home mm-hmm. um and then even tv would be there would always be captions on our tv so that we can watch tv and read what they're saying you know so there was that difficulty level of trying to learn how to speak english at such a young age and trying to communicate um Mm -hmm. from such a young age but i feel like we adopted fairly quickly because there's also home videos of us when we came here and then it was literally like six months after we're speaking english in the camera
0: yeah right so (laughs) i remember that yeah
1: yeah, exactly. So, you know, in a very short period of time, like we already started to adopt, right, the language. Um, and like I said, kids like are so like, they're sponges, right? Mm-hmm. So we're just like little yes. sponges, like just absorbing um, the language. So yeah, like and my mom would like rent, you know, movies and things like that and audio books. So I think my mom definitely had a huge influence too on how quickly we learned the language because I think she realized how difficult it must have been for us yeah uh, in school so
0: you didn't have no you did have right English English classes in school in Brazil
1: um I don't remember to be kind of remember having English classes in Brazil um maybe we did maybe
0: mm-hmm.
1: like I don't know if you if you remember that, then maybe we did I don't remember (laughs) having them, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if my mom put us in English
0: Mm -hmm. classes. Yeah, I remember because it's my favorite. So okay, yes.
1: So there you go. So maybe we did have English, uh, English classes before we came. So like, luckily, my mom is a very ambitious, modern woman. So she like knew like what you know needed to be done. For her kids, like to adopt to a new country.
0: Mm-hmm. See, Ner- nerdiness comes runs in the family. It does. <laughs> our, our family is yeah.
1: very nerdy, I must say. <laughs> yeah. Where? Yeah, sorry, big... I'm sorry to say. No, we definitely are very nerdy, <laughs> sorry. but it it benefits us for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. And how was it adapting yeah. to adapt to a different school system? Because we have very different. Uh, school systems in Brazil and in here in the UK. I don't know how it is in, in Canada, but uh, the school systems are very, very much different because we, you start in September and that for that is just crazy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to be honest, I don't remember what the Brazilian um, school system was like. Because mm-hmm. we also went to a private school in Brazil. From what I can remember, it was a private school. And I don't remember like what the structure of the curriculum was, to be honest. Like I can't remember how, because also I was so young too, right? I was only six, so like, what are you really learning mm-hmm. at six years old at school, right? But from what my sister can say, uh, you know, when I asked her this question, is that definitely I think that the Brazilian school system is a little bit more advanced mm-hmm. than the Canadian school system, believe it or not. How um, so? Apparently just like, you know, what in grade eight here, what grade eights are learning here, kids in Brazil for, in terms of like mm-hmm. mathematics and science and languages and the school, curriculum at least the private school system in brazil Mm -hmm. is more advanced Mm -hmm. than because in canada like private schools like you don't regularly send your kids to private school. you know there's the public schools Mm -hmm. there's the catholic schools which is the two major school boards uh in canada and then there's like the little you know There's like the private schools and then you can send your kid to like more uh, specific religious schools like Jewish school or, you know, Mm -hmm. Muslim school, let's say. But in terms of the actual curriculum, my sister said that the uh, private school, because she was more like she went through the Brazilian school system a lot further than I did. Mm -hmm. uh, She also did high school in Brazil, too. So she said that the private school system is incredible mm-hmm. and that it doesn't it doesn't even compare to the public school system in Canada. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I personally don't remember what it was. So in terms of adapting to the Canadian school system, I think to me it was all the same, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know any better or different. But definitely it's something that I think about now that I'm a mom and I'm like, great, do I want my kids to go to public school or do i want you know to go to Mm -hmm. or do i want them to go to private school um in terms of what they're actually going to learn right Uh so that's something that we're looking at now because you start school at four years old here wow yeah well that's like kindergarten so you know kindergarten and junior kinder sorry junior kindergarten and senior kindergarten you know you start at four um Uh and it's more play-based you know, and you mm-hmm. learn your colors and you learn, you know, your numbers and all that stuff. But which Sienna already knows at the age of two. So I don't know what she's going to do in school, you know, when she <laughs> goes at four years old.
0: That's something that we're battling with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when, when they go to school at that age, it's more like to be uh, to learn how to socialize. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. And to be on their own, you know, without parents, without uh People that they trust that much. Oh, yeah. Uh, exactly. Like fending for themselves rather than learning anything. Exactly. Uh, like like cu- curriculum wise.
1: Yeah, no, I think I totally agree. It's definitely just to help them adopt to a different environment.
0: Yeah, Which so is that's kind
1: something of scary that we It's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> it gives me anxiety to send Sienna to school. You know what I mean? Just to think about her. Like her little self, like in a classroom with like 20 other kids and just like this stranger of an adult that she's never met before, you know, and it's just being a whole new world. But I mean, like I said, the kids adopt really easily to their environment. So Mm -hmm. we'll see. At least you hope they do. Right. If you do a good job as a parent to help them adopt to their environment.
0: And I think you have to trust them, right? Trust that they know what they're doing, and what yes, they mm-hmm. the the my mom always says like you have to trust the um, you have to trust the way you raise them. Yes,
1: yes. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, in Portuguese, you we have to a,
1: trust your parenting skills for sure.
0: Yes, that's it. Yes, that's
1: <laughs> parenting it. skills.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in Portuguese, we say like uh, "você tem que confiar na criação dos Yes, exactly. So yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Parenting thing. That she's a Cardozo for God's sake, so she's gonna there be there. You
1: go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> She'll she will right. definitely
1: be fine. Yeah, and she's got our brains for sure. She's for definitely sure, a yeah. little <laughs> mini me. She's oh, a mini really? me. Oh.
0: Yeah. Our grandma, she had a nickname for each and every one of us. Uh, uh. Yeah, and she she still does. Actually, she still has calls <laughs> us by that nickname. And the nickname that she had for Deborah was Little Sergeant.
3: Yes.
0: (laughs) And, you know, it's funny because
1: I can see that in myself now that I'm older. Oh, okay. She was right. She was so right, you know. And, like, it's almost like she blessed us with, you know, know how like (laughs) Native ceremonies. They bless you with the name that the gods Uh have chosen for you. So that's what she did. And I'm like, I am totally a sergeant, you know, even in my like professional, like in my practice, I can become Mm -hmm. um, like a sergeant, you know, in terms of like how I want my clients to do things. And I have to like mm-hmm. step back sometimes. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like you're becoming like you know you're not in the army here. <laughs> um, but Sienna is totally a little sergeant for sure. Like she is very like she knows what she wants and she wants it now, and you know she knows how it's going to be so done. Cool. So yeah, I like to see it as just being confident and knowing what you want. <laughs> sure,
2: yeah, she's empowered. Uh, yeah, exactly. So what's her what's her nickname for you, Sethis? Little Spanish. Little Spanish. Yeah, Spanish. Yeah,
0: I don't why? know why. why. I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't that's see so myself now in my adult years being Spanish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, should be like little English girl. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, it yeah. could
0: be. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. And how was it how was it adapting to uh those super cool super cold uh winters because i remember watching your home movies and you just like with the snow suits and everything and i was like oh i I want that i want (laughs) no and i want to play in the snow do you really though (laughs) i I played in the snow and i didn't like it
1: (laughs) no like you have to be properly dressed for sure like you have Mm -hmm. to have like proper shoes proper like everything socks and pants and a proper jacket and sweaters you have to dress for the weather right Mm -hmm. um but I just I still after all these years I I think that I've learned how to um think that like the snow yeah you learn how to survive in it for sure um and definitely if you drive makes things a lot easier uh, when I didn't have a car, I remember just the winters being so long and it was just miserable waiting for the bus and it's like negative 30 outside and it oh just God. It's so cold um, But now that I drive, I'm like, okay, like it's not so bad, you know, but I'm just spoiled, right? I think about mm-hmm. people who don't have cars and things like that, but you definitely have to be properly dressed um, mm-hmm. I still don't like the cold. I don't like I don't even like putting boots on And it's like a whole process when you're trying to go out. Like, even if you just go to the grocery store, you have to put your boots on, and then it's your gloves and your hat and your scarf. And like, it's a whole process that you have to go through. Um, I like wearing dresses and I like just like going outside and chilling on my patio. But I personally don't like it. I don't like the cold. It's for my skin.
0: (laughs) You you know, like, it's your skin.
1: Oh, it just dries you like out completely. Mm. Like at this time of year where the winter is finishing, my skin looks horrible. And (laughs) I I look so pale because like I feel like I naturally look better with a tan. So I definitely enjoy the warmer weather. I still haven't adopted to cold weather. But I have definitely learned throughout the years to invest in good boots, in good jackets. And, (laughs) you know, you spend a lot more money, but it Mm -hmm. benefits you in the long run. That way you're not freezing when you're, Mm -hmm. you know, waiting outside or walking outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the kids love it. Like, my daughter loves, like, going and rolling around in the snow and playing with the snow. Like, you know, it's definitely for kids for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see kids here when it snows, it's just like, oh, it's such a thing. You know, people go outside. And last year we had three days of really heavy snow. It was such a buzz, you know, people went outside and they played at the snow. And it was such a, it was a a happening. (laughs) Yeah. It normally doesn't snow in here.
1: Oh, okay.
0: that's something else, right? It's an event. Like right. It snowed. Like when it snowed in Curitiba. <laughs> oh,
2: my <laughs> like God. Three snowflakes and people were making a snowman. Don't make fun of me. <laughs> did you make a uh, snowman? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I was very, very happy. <laughs>
1: when, when did it snow in Curitiba? That's so funny that it actually...
0: It was 2013, the last time, wasn't it?
2: 2013,
0: yeah, yeah, uh huh, yeah. Wow, that's the coldest winter of my life.
2: Yeah, and it was my first one here.
0: Really? Okay. (laughs) I was very happy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Like some people love, like they—that's what they want to see. And I'm like, hey, if you want to feel the cold, come on over. Like. We have spare bedrooms, like, come and experience what winter is like.
2: (laughs) And then you change your mind. (laughs) Oh, 100%.
1: That's the thing, too. There's a lot of Brazilians that come to Canada and they leave because it's so cold and they can't adopt, right? Because, you know, also when you're used to having sun for a certain amount of time, it can be very Mm -hmm. depressing in the wintertime. There's actually, Mm -hmm. like, seasonal... um, what's it called
0: winter blues right exactly the winter
1: blues because like it's so cold there's no sun the days are so much shorter like literally the sun like it's completely pitch black Mm -hmm. at 4 Mm p.m so it can become very depressing so a lot of brazilians leave because they just become so depressed
3: because of the winter
1: right so they they have a hard time adopting to their environment so they Mm -hmm. leave Yeah, Yeah. I was going
0: to ask you about that, because here we have that as well. Uh, My first winter here was very, very hard uh, in that sense. It wasn't because of the cold. It was because of the lack of light.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: It was and it seems crazy, you know, to even think about that, but uh, it gets you depressed it does yeah and I was never a summery person I didn't Mm -hmm. I never liked summer yes that we know (laughs) (laughs) and all things hot and everything no mm -mm, I don't but uh it was it's the lack of light that Mm -hmm. brings me personally brings me down and what do you what do you what do people do there to to so
1: here like when it is light out, we try to spend as much time outside, even though it's cold. Like, it's still recommended to, like, go for, like, a five-minute walk, you know, breathe some mm-hmm. fresh air. Um, and then, you know, in terms of my practice as, like, a health professional, I recommend a lot of vitamin D in the right. winter, to because that's what you're lacking, right? It's the vitamin yeah. D from the sun, uh, because vitamin D helps us produce, like, happy hormones and helps us, you know, just be... Uh, uplifted, so definitely supplementing with high doses of vitamin D in the winter to supplement what you're not getting from the sun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we call but. it the happy pills.
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think they even market um, vitamin yeah. D here as like the happy supplement or something like that. <laughs> so definitely supplementing can make a huge difference mm-hmm. for sure. And then obviously
0: eating well and there's always that yeah <laughs> but right when it's like the dead of winter the don't want to eat a salad you don't no, no.
1: <laughs> but you can eat like cooked vegetables right and you can eat like roasted vegetables and warm veggies and things because I don't eat a lot of salad in the winter either I eat more mm-hmm. uh, like cooked vegetables because uh, I definitely don't want to be drinking cold smoothies and cold salads in the winter for sure you want mm-hmm. something more comforting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like so, for sure. For example. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. eating like comforting foods and, and also like, you know, as much as it's cold outside, like doing activities, like, you know, going to the movies or, you know, going out with your friends and socializing, I feel like it makes things a lot easier. Uh, to make the winter go by. And then we also recommend vacations. Like if it's that bad, that's why a lot of, you know, North Americans go to the Caribbean and they go to Cuba or they go to Mexico because it just breaks the winter in half, right? Like you at least see some sun for a few days and you come back and you can deal with the winter a little bit better.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: The retired people here, they all have houses in Florida, right? So (laughs) in the winter, they all leave. Uh-huh. You know, like even in our neighborhood, we see these cars that are parked that and their driveways that are not even shoveled, you know. Like they're all in Florida. They're all in Mexico. They have <laughs> houses in the south, right, that they leave for six months and then they come back. Mm-hmm. We, call them, we call them snowbirds.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the snowbirds. They leave and then they come back in the yeah. summer.
0: And when the, when the seasons change, do you feel like people – crazier in Canada. I felt that definitely. When here in Britain, people get super agitated when when seasons start to change.
1: Yeah, so like right now we're going into our spring and you can just feel this vibe where everyone wants to just like get out of their house and they want to start <laughs> doing things and you know like it's just it's very exciting.
2: You know, mm-hmm. and they want to
1: do they want to do everything, right? In the spring yeah, and, and in the summer yeah exactly so like people get super like it's like they're on this like high right (laughs) Uh, in the spring and (laughs) summer and then the fall comes and they start to slow down a little bit and then the winter comes and everyone's just miserable
0: (laughs) bad again yeah
1: (laughs) except except for the people who like it right and Mm -hmm. and then like people and then it's just like this it's a cycle, right? You just go through all these like emotional cycles, and according to the environment, and mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting to see how easily human can change, right? According to what the mm-hmm. weather is doing.
0: Yeah, and how connected we really are to these to those changes. Because uh-huh. in, in Brazil, we don't really feel it. Like we feel se- uh, the seasons changing but for the feeling that i got was it it was more beautiful than anything else like i didn't really feel it Mm -hmm. um like in my body like i didn't feel in the winter i didn't feel tired as tired as i I, as i felt here Mm -hmm. Uh, like sleeping 10 hours a night you know in the winter uh, being hard to wake up It's definitely harder to wake up here uh, when it's winter because it's like 8 o'clock in the morning and it's still dark. Mm -hmm. It was harder in Brazil because the houses don't have proper heating. Yeah. Enters, you know, through Mm -hmm. the cracks of the windows and the doors and the humidity. Oh, the humidity. (laughs) That You're is very definitely... dramatic
2: today. <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> I'm actually dramatic when I speak English. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that we were talking that personality personalities change. Yeah, uh, Monica was talking to this um, psychologist. Did you did you ask him about uh, changing personalities with the language?
2: It was very disappointing. <laughs> he said no. it's not real. He I said it. That shocked. <laughs> so what is this? What? Like we we talk about um, how speaking a second or a third language can make you have like create a different personality, not a, a different personality like entirely, but you know, uh, you change. As you speak other languages, and we really like that, and we like base our whole <laughs> uh, classes, I think, on that. And he said he's a psychologist, and he said it's not uh, that doesn't happen. Like it's it's just uh, an impression that we have, but it's not real. Okay, like our voices can change, of course. But yeah. uh, the tone of voice, yes, but the the personality doesn't interesting. yeah, very disappointing.
0: <laughs> yeah. That is
2: disappointing.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I feel actually changing a little bit when I speak English and when yeah. I speak Portuguese.
2: I, I feel like <laughs> i I behave differently, you know, so for me, it's still real.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> I like care. I feel Yeah. <laughs> I feel very different when I speak Portuguese and when I, feel, and when I speak English. I do feel almost like two different people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, you feel like your personality is just different. And you definitely – I think it's what you said, too. I think it's just the behavior changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because also, like, for example, like, Portuguese isn't my forte, so I feel like I'm a little bit more shy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I yeah. speak Portuguese, but I'm not as shy when I speak English. So I feel like I'm more extroverted when I speak English than mm-hmm. when I'm in a group of people that speak Portuguese.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a little more confident. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, Marina told us on her, her podcast uh, like when she speaks Portuguese, she f- she's more like, I don't know, it's hotter uh, because it's a, it's a Latin language. So. I don't know. She oh, I see. More, yeah.
1: like, she feels sexier when she speaks yeah. Portuguese than when she speaks. <laughs> she okay. didn't say
2: that, but <laughs> that's basically what <laughs> I that's got. That's
3: interesting.
1: From it. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe like, you know, maybe it's not like a personality thing, but maybe just like a behavioral thing yes, that you just yeah. change your behavior because of your confidence level, right? Because being sexy is being confident. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. it's maybe a confident thing in terms of speaking languages that's interesting
0: speaking of sexy um i have
2: no idea what's coming (laughs) what is coming
0: (laughs) well there's nothing it's nothing to do with sexy but (laughs) uh it's like sexy and you're confident and if you're confident you have health and or you have health because you're confident and you know my mind goes it was a long way well, you just, you told us a little bit of when and how you decided to work with health. I think she didn't. How, how was it? How was that process of, uh, because last I remember, you wanted to work with, oh man, with weather. Yes. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> it was a long time ago. Yeah. Yes, yeah, You wanted to be a weather girl.
1: (laughs) Yes, a very, very long time ago, I wanted to be a weather girl. Basically, like, I just, I love, like, just nature. I love nature and I love, I'm like a hippie at heart, let's say. (laughs) Uh So anything that has to do with, you know, food and earth and, you know, I think that's where I was trying to go with being a weather girl. (laughs) Um, but I got very disappointed very quickly at the amount of math (laughs) that I had to do in school to become a weather girl. Mm -hmm. Um, So I got into nutrition because I've always been really into health and fitness. Mm -hmm. And um, I've always had like a spiritual side too. And, um, you know, always had this thing inside of me of where, you know, mental health is so important. And I guess, you know, emotional health. And that's how I became a holistic nutritionist. Because, um, you know, working as a holistic nutritionist, you don't just work with someone with their physical health, but you take into account their emotional and um, psychological health as well. So you work with the first pers- like the whole being.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that's how I got into like holistic nutrition is just, you know, I didn't even know that it was like a career. Like, I didn't know that you could be this, Mm -hmm. you know this that you could have this type of profession because to me like you would go and you see a dietician and then they just tell you what to eat right but Mm -hmm. when I started to do some digging of what type of schooling that I could do to bring everything together you know like the whole human Mm -hmm. being I like started reading um about like holistic nutrition and functional nutrition and all of this type of like the work that I do today with people like I felt so excited when I like learned that this is an actual profession and that you can actually work with people in this way. And it's not just like telling them what to eat, but helping them with their mindset and, you know, helping them overcome because food is something that is more psychological than, mm-hmm. than, than, it is like physical. Like we obviously as human beings need to eat to survive, but how we choose to eat is very psychological.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so uh, I also had my own battles with, you know, emotional eating and the choices of food that I was, like, choosing and things like that. So it was, like, a whole process of how I got to um, choosing um, holistic nutrition. hmm from my own past experience, I also had a lot of health issues. Like I had a Mm -hmm. lot of digestive issues and um, I had digestive issues because of my choices of food and because Mm -hmm. of like emotional issues as well. So because of my own health issues, I wanted to help people uh, overcome their health issues with food and lifestyle. Right. And the lifestyle part of it is like, taking care of like your emotions and psychology and things like that. So that's how I decided to work with health. It was my own experience and it was just being super interested in fitness and health. Like I would watch Oprah and every time she had like, every time she had like a personal trainer or a nutritionist or a doctor on, I loved those episodes, you know, like her whole, um, Weight Watchers episodes were like really interesting to me so just kind of putting everything together you know led me into the road that I you know the journey that I started in my career so that's how I got into (laughs) it.
0: Oprah changing lives. (laughs) For real
1: (laughs) for real like she actually changes people's lives like touching people.
0: Yeah, it's not something that we see only in movies, like it happens, it actually happens. It, it
1: does, <laughs> yeah, it actually does happen, like I can actually say that Oprah changed my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's an actual, real fairy godmother. She we is, could, We could she get really Oprah. is. On the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oprah, if you're listening to this.
1: (laughs) There you go. There you go. You can never dream too big. You know, you never know. One day, like, she might be on your podcast. Who knows? Oh, my God. (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) Exactly.
0: People in modern Western medicine tend to treat body and mind, like they're two separate things, you know, or not even considering mind as something that interferes in the balance of the body. You know, you started doing what you do and studying what you study and um, showing that off on Instagram or your blog and stuff.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: You actually changed my life, so... A little bit, yeah. Well that's very <laughs> humbling. <laughs> no, it's very cool actually because yeah. um I could see that you no, know, you know, someone that close to me sharing blood and could do it. Uh mm-hmm. I could I could break a few cycles of my own. Yeah. Because and I had this one experience that uh shocked me deeply. Uh, mm-hmm. I I've had migraines since I was seven. Okay, that's horrible because it, it yeah it's, the only thing that brings me down is the the migraine. Yeah, and one day I went to the doctor. I went to this, and I said like I can't take it anymore. I want I want to treat it. I want something that can help me. You know, and he went like, okay, so here's um. Uh, I can't say that in English, Uh How do you say that?
1: Like a painkiller?
0: No, it's stronger than a painkiller. It's like an antidepressive. Oh, okay. Something like that. And okay. I, I told him, like, okay, so this is to treat anxiety and depression. And he, he just told me, like, okay, do you have anxiety? Are you anxious? So I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm anxious. Like who isn't? <laughs>
2: <laughs> right.
0: And yeah. he said, Oh, so there you go. Then you treat both things with one medicine. I was like, Hell no. Yeah. No. I just walked out of Stop. there just so deeply, deeply shocked. And from that moment on, I started paying attention to everything that I do, everything that I eat. I still have migraines, but in that way I can I can really see now, like, okay, so what caused? that episode you know I can Mm -hmm. can access a little bit better that important that people see that the body and the mind are not two completely separate things and one affects the other
1: yeah like a hundred percent like you know western culture is to treat the physical body And it's also to treat the symptoms, not the cause,
3: Mm -hmm. right? So
1: the way I work with people is treating the cause. Like, okay, you have headaches. What is Mm -hmm. causing your headaches? Is it, you know, is it a physical thing? Is it something that you are eating that you're intolerant to, that you don't know that you're intolerant to? Is it Mm -hmm. your environment? Is it a shampoo that you're using? Is it a perfume that you use you know is it Mm -hmm. emotional or psychological is there something that you constantly you know that there's like something that you're constantly exposed to that's causing you anxiety that's causing you depression that's causing this emotional imbalance in your body that's giving you this headache Mm -hmm. right Um, and that's what holistic nutrition is about and what functional nutrition is about is really finding the root cause of your health issues, and eliminating those and then healing from that, right? Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I think that conventional medicine has a place in a time. Uh, Like, for example, Mm -hmm. earlier, yeah, like we were talking about, you know, C sections, for example, Mm -hmm. and if a C section needs to happen in an emergency, that's when, you know, conventional medicine works, right? Painkillers and surgeons to be there to help the mom and the baby survive, let's say, but I yeah. think that nowadays we're just so used to quick quick re- relief and instant gratification. Like, oh, I have a headache. I'm going to go and get an Advil or like I'm going to go mm-hmm. get a killer." Instead of actually figuring out what the root cause of things are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we don't deal with our issues. And then they just become more and more severe as we get older right? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I work at the hospital and I work for a liver surgeon who um, specializes in liver cancer. And when you look at the history of these people who have liver cancer at the age of 50 or 60, in their 20s, they were diagnosed with heartburn, which doesn't mm -hmm. sound like it's connected, but that's your digestive system. And your digestive system is related to your liver, right? So if in your 20s, you didn't do anything about having heartburn and then getting diabetes and then getting, you know, more uh, like other diseases that build on each other. And then all of a sudden in your 60s, you know, 40 years later, you have liver cancer. It's not a surprise to me because I can see the pattern in your history. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But because people take things so lightly, like they take their health so lightly and they're like, oh, like there's a medication for that. They're not, But they're not addressing the root cause. That really annoys me in the Western, mm. like how conventional medicine, um, they don't take the time, right, to really observe people and what is really going on with somebody's health. And, yeah, like how the mind is connected too, right? Like, for example, like I said earlier, like my physical health issues were 100% caused by um like emotional and psychological health Mm -hmm. imbalances, you know, just like being so anxious and frustrated and angry. And that caused a lot of digestive problems. But once I was able to deal with that, you know, get rid of like all the things that were bothering me emotionally and psychologically, then I was able to actually feel physically better. Like you just feel like, you know, a release you know, yeah. you feel just so much lighter in your body. So, um, I think that is changing a lot, though, especially because of social media. People are becoming more aware. Um, there's mm-hmm. tons of like health professionals really spreading the word of uh, even doctors now, too, like medical doctors who have left their traditional practice to become an alternative medical doctor right mm-hmm. so because they have that power they have that md at the end of their name you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um, i think that that's really changing yeah no definitely yeah doctors have a lot of power so and i'm so happy to see that there there is this change you know and it's funny too because when i started working at the hospital um with the doctor that i work for um He even said, "He's like, please don't take my patients away from me," (laughs) which is like, yeah, which is funny because it's like they know, they know (laughs) that if these people start eating better and that they start, you know, working on their mental health and their mindset and you know doing that work, that they're going to feel better, Mm -hmm. right? So I I know that they know that you know (laughs) my practice works, so that's why he got a little. A little scared right when he mm-hmm. found out that um, I'm a holistic nutritionist so I think there just needs to be like we just need to work together as a team like the conventional medical world and the alternative uh, medicine world and we just need to come together and work mm-hmm. together
0: yeah because you're not competition are
1: you no I'm not competing with them hundred percent not you know think that even for surgery, like I said earlier, I think there's definitely like my, um, the doctor that I work for is a surgeon. So even if, okay, you know, you're at 60 years old, you have cancer, the only treatment is surgery. Okay. So take it out, but then mm-hmm. change your lifestyle mm-hmm. after, you know, eat better after, you know, do the mindset work that you need to do so that it doesn't come back. Right. So that you feel better. Cause mm-hmm. also to people who have, you know, in the topic of cancer, people who have cancer, the studies show that people who have cancer and are generally healthy, they mm-hmm. recover a lot better from surgery and they can mm-hmm. actually tolerate chemotherapy a lot more than someone mm-hmm. who doesn't have a healthy lifestyle. So, you know, the studies are out there, you know that, you know, nutrition and mindset and all of this type of thing works, so it's just about us coming together and working together opposed to competing with each other, right?
0: Yeah, and it's not like you're gonna become the hippie person, you know, who owns granola and dresses (laughs) with (laughs) him. No, no, all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like this people have this view of like holistic nutrition and like alternative medicine. That's how they view us, right? These like Mm -hmm. voodoo people that, you know, (laughs) work magic. (laughs) But it's not like that, right? Like there's a lot of science behind what we do. And this is why I love what I do too, because I'm I'm a science based person, I need evidence that something works. Mm -hmm. um, everything that I recommend to people, like to my clients, um, I make sure that there's, you know, articles and that there's studies behind it. Um, for example, I use a lot of supplements. I use a lot of essential oils in my practice and there is so much science behind supplements and essential oils. So, um, there's just a lot of science. And then it's funny because science is catching up with, Ancient medicine, because what we were using in my practice is ancient medicine, like essential oils and things like that. But now science is catching up with it. Like scientists are doing studies and they're like, yeah, this actually works. It's not just, you know, some medicine man in a cave somewhere, brewing (laughs) these things up and giving it to people, right? Like it actually works. So Uh I think people just need... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's just again like just changing people's perspective on alternative health and how um we're viewed, right? And, yeah.
0: and it's also so much cheaper for you to to eat better and to, you know, of course you're not going to live a stress-free life because that's honestly not possible. Yeah. But of course, it's so much t- cheaper for you to invest in that uh eating like for example i don't know if it works for everybody but for me it worked a lot like uh, reducing the amount of red meat and uh-huh. you know instead of buying my granola ready like out of the shelf i make my own and i know exactly what goes into uh-huh. that granola for example uh it's so much cheaper in the long run than you paying for a chemotherapy or paying for uh-huh. surgery and exactly, it adds up, you know, it makes sense. It does.
1: It's easier to, it's easier and cheaper to prevent illness
0: mm-hmm. than to treat it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And in all levels, not just financial, but even emotionally and psychologically to treat illness after it's, cause that takes a huge toll on you when you find out that you have a certain illness. Right. But I a hundred percent agree that it's just so much cheaper to and you know and people say oh like it's so expensive to eat organic and I'm like like it's like what you said surgery and chemotherapy is way more expensive than eating organic so you know definitely put your money where your mouth is and this (laughs) this is where you this is where you see the sergeant side of me come out (laughs) it's like put your money where your mouth is and eat healthy right like it doesn't Um, Mm -hmm. and obviously it's something that you have to adapt to, right? You have to constantly adapt and you just have to kind of change, um, certain things around, but you get used to it. And Mm -hmm. it's funny how like you, you make the budget for it somehow you make it work.
0: Yeah, you do. You do. You adapt and you can't, you can't go back afterwards when you start and you see, and you start to see the benefits. You, you don't go back. Like exactly. Seven years ago, about seven years ago, I spent a month as forty days actually as a vegan. I just put it in really? my head. That, yeah, uh-huh. I just put it in my head that I would try. Like, how is that? It was mm-hmm. obviously crazy to yeah. cut everything that was animal derived uh, from one day to the other. Don't do that. Please, <laughs> if you're listening to that, do not do what I did. Yeah,
1: I don't recommend that either.
0: <laughs> but uh, I, I used to drink uh, coffee with milk and sugar, and I used to eat a lot of cake, and mm-hmm. I used to eat a lot of, you know, like pão de queijo, everything, oh. it was daily. That yeah. <laughs> and afterwards like i was a vegan for 40 days so i couldn't mm-hmm. eat public and i and <laughs> at the time 7 years ago we didn't have uh as many choices that we do have today like as available as they are today so i couldn't mm-hmm. eat outside i couldn't eat out yeah uh, one day i would i went to dinner with my husband at the time he was my friend and he ordered this lasagna it was um a stroganoff lasagna mm-hmm. it was it's one of the best things ever. It doesn't sound yeah. like it, but it is. <laughs> and I couldn't eat it because there was meat and cheese and, and dairy and I couldn't eat it. So I ordered a salad. and It was so disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> it was so disappointing. But after those 40 days were over, I could not go back to the way that it was before. I didn't. Yeah. Never again, I, I drank uh, sugar and milk with my coffee. Yeah, my yeah. relationship with cheese was never the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, although but, I don't recommend people doing what I did, I don't. Yeah, uh, It was a huge changing point for me, uh, yeah. like the, this relationship with food.
1: And that's what it is, right? It's like this whole healthy lifestyle is changing your relationship with food. And it's not necessarily that you, I mean, people like veganism is a whole other topic of why people become vegan and things like that. And but it doesn't mean that you can't eat those foods like, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't eat cake or you can't eat, you know, pound de queijo or anything like that. It's just how much are you eating of it and Mm -hmm. how often, right? So that's like where you have to start to look at your diet and look at your lifestyle and see if it's benefiting you to eat like Mm -hmm. that right exactly. and which most of the time it's not benefit like it's not a benefit to eat cake every day
0: mm-hmm. yeah, right? don't get so, wrong I still, I still crave pão de queijo and of course eat. so do I <laughs> <laughs> but actually pão de queijo right is not now. the
1: worst thing for you because it's made with it's gluten free Yeah, right because it's made with mm-hmm. tapioca starch mm-hmm. so you know that's how I like to look at it <laughs> it's It's
0: gluten free, so you can eat that.
1: You know, it's not dairy free, but you can still eat it because it's gluten free.
0: But you know, I still make the occasional pot of brigadeiro whenever I'm PMSing. So I don't eat clean a hundred percent of the time. Far from it. I'm I'm far, very far away from being you, Deborah. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: you know, for example, (laughs) I ordered abrigadero uh, for my daughter's birthday, for example. Mm-hmm. And I looked that at that was, table. Yeah, and that was hard. It was hard not to eat like 10 of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I haven't had this in so long. So, uh-huh. <laughs> But then again, like I had like a few and then I'm like, okay, hey, this is too much sugar for me. Like I could already feel it in my body. That it was just too much sugar. And I become instantly like dehydrated. Mm-hmm. I totally have my treats here and there I don't I, I've come to a point where I've, my diet is very balanced I don't have mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm depriving myself from anything yeah but and you don't feel guilty right when you no, do in definitely the- there's no guilt yeah and that's what I try very... to teach people is to eat guilt-free Because that's definitely like, that's where the psychology of food comes in, is feeling guilty Mm -hmm. because you had a piece of cake, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. that piece of cake is going to taste so much better, guilt-free. Yes,
1: (laughs) 100%.
0: (laughs) Even afterwards, like if you're eating like a pot of brigadeiro and you're feeling like, okay, so I shouldn't be doing this. It doesn't taste as good.
1: (laughs) No, definitely not. Cause then you're just gonna sit there and you're gonna feel like crap after, so Yeah, Yeah. so what's the point? It's definitely a delicate balance. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking
0: of crap. (laughs) So if (laughs) you if you're sensitive to the topic of poop, I recommend you listeners to stop listening to us right now and skip ahead. (laughs) <laughs> because we're going to talk about poop. <laughs> so, uh, yes, a healthy gut. Yes. Is it the key to a healthy life?
1: Absolutely. So that's why <laughs> I specialize. So definitely pooping daily is it very, it's like one of the keys to a healthy lifestyle.
2: <laughs> I have no idea what it feels like to do that oh my god
1: yeah so this is something that i talk about a lot is poop because i i specialize right in digestive Mm -hmm. health Um, and you have a baby so so. and i have a baby (laughs) i'm like one of those weird mothers who like look at my child's poop and make sure (laughs) that it's healthy and if it's not healthy i try to figure out what she ate so that she doesn't (laughs) eat it again um you have like a poop spoon
0: that you go through, <laughs> like okay.
1: <laughs> no, so like I've I've come to a point in my profession where I'm like very good at just analyzing without without digging in there <laughs> to see what's actually in there. <laughs> but yeah, like gut health is the key to a healthy life and a healthy body because that's like where we digest our food and where we get our nutrients from. Mm -hmm. right so without having a healthy gut like we're not feeding our organs like especially our brain and our liver and our kidneys and like all our internal organs and our heart and things like that so if we're not digesting properly our body isn't getting the nutrients that it needs so then we're gonna feel like like shit Mm -hmm. right we're gonna feel really crappy you know we're not gonna be thinking clearly no pun intended at all (laughs) We're not going to be able to think clearly. We're not going to be able to have the energy that we want. You know, our heart isn't Mm -hmm. going to function the way it needs to. Our liver isn't going to function the way it needs to. So that's why, you know, we focus on digestive health because of that. Right. And you know, more and more studies now are coming out um, of how the influence of the gut bacteria influences even things like mental health and anxiety and depression. Uh, but not just because of the gut bacteria, but there's also more nerve endings in our mm. gut than there are in our brain. Wow! Our, yeah, there's way more nerves down there. So, and our gut is responsible for producing uh, serotonin and dopamine, which is like our happy huh. hormone. Yeah. So if you know you're not, if your gut is inflamed and your gut health isn't, you know, right you're going Mm -hmm. to feel anxious and depressed, you know, Mm -hmm. because your gut isn't functioning and it's not producing those happy hormones that you need to survive really, right? Like you need to Mm -hmm. be in a good mood and stuff like that. Cause if you're, you know, constantly anxious and you're constantly depressed, then you're not going to be able to live like a quality lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, and then another thing too, is that the gut is responsible for producing melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. So Mm -hmm. I find that a lot, a lot of like people that come to me, they have sleep issues because their gut isn't functioning properly. So their gut isn't producing the sleep hormone that they need. So they're not sleeping properly. So -hmm. a lot of like diseases and illnesses can be traced back. Like a lot of symptoms can be traced back to, um, to the gut. Right.
3: Mm -hmm. So
1: a lot of people, for example, like you were mentioning earlier, said is is that you have a lot of headaches you know is mm-hmm. there something in your gut that's going on in there that's causing the headache to happen
3: mm-hmm. right is
1: there because if there's there's a lot of studies between the gut and brain um like the, the connection between the gut and brain so if there's something going on in your gut chances are that your brain's not functioning properly you know there's going to be inflammation of the brain So, definitely, like gut health is 100% the key to a healthy lifestyle for sure, because everything can be traced back there. See, so pooping Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. good. Pooping is a great thing. (laughs) And I know that there's, and it's, you know, we laugh and things, and I, you know, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, but it's serious. But it's something that's very serious, especially if people aren't going to the bathroom on a daily basis, because this is what I tell my clients. Mm-hmm. considering you're supposed to be going to the bathroom two to three times a day and you're not <laughs> where do you think all that poop is <laughs> all that poop is staying inside of you and that's very toxic like you know as a human you know not to touch your poop because it's very toxic right mm-hmm. so imagine all the toxins staying in your body and it's and it gets uh recirculated right because your body mm-hmm. can only do so much they to absorb- prevent it Exactly. can only do so much uh, for you like to keep it in the colon. But mm-hmm. it gets reabsorbed. Like those toxins get reabsorbed into your body and then it causes inflammation and then it causes disease, right? So it's so important to make sure that you're going to the bathroom on a regular basis, because it's just literally like it's not going anywhere else. like it's staying mm-hmm. inside of you, right? So very important to make sure that you're addressing that and why you're not going, right? Whether it's diet, or most of the time it's diet. Um, And then there's like the mental emotional uh, part of it too.
0: Much information.
1: Yeah, so (laughs) that's why I focus on gut health because it's just so important to literally like, also there's the mental emotional side of gut health too, right, so like for example, someone who's constipated, like what do you need to let go of? What are you holding on to? Mm -hmm, Right? mm -hmm. Like if we're starting to consider someone who's like constipated, what are things in your life that you need to just like let that shit go? Kind of thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. what is what are you holding on to? So so that's how I work with people. I look at the physical house and then I look at the mental emotional health as well to help them get over.
0: Yeah, and they flush your troubles away exactly <laughs> literally
3: <laughs> literally. I have, <laughs> literally, i have a
0: bunch of those
1: <laughs> yeah there you go i'm just flushing them away
0: yeah and it's funny because a,
1: like um i think greater
0: inside <laughs> <laughs> i think we
1: all are because i think even me as a professional i still giggle when i talk about poop with people <laughs> um but well, oh i had a thought in my head here oh sorry sorry no
0: totally. it's okay
1: it'll come back it'll come back
0: oh right so staying hydrated is important
1: yes Yes. staying hydrated eating your fiber it's different from person to person but just generally you know eating Mm -hmm. a balanced diet and definitely staying away from sugar because sugar is sugar is the real enemy
0: Mm -hmm. not gluten not dairy not nothing that sugar sugar but then again like a lot of gluten
1: products have sugar in it, so if you think about bread and pasta and wheat products, are the ones that have a lot of sugar in them. So, like cakes and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm.
0: processed wheat, right? If it's whole, yes whole meal, yeah.
1: Like if you're eating like a, even like sourdough, you know, is better mm-hmm. for you than just like a white bread.
0: Now uh, we were speaking. Uh, you were you were telling us that you have a job at the hospital, right? Yes. So you do have your job at the hospital. You run your own online clinic. Yes. Uh, you're a mom <laughs> of <laughs> one and a half children. Yes. One of the children. <laughs> <laughs> and a half children. And well, you're 37 weeks pregnant, and you cook. And you do yoga, thirty-seven <laughs> weeks pregnant. Like, how many hours does your yes. day have? So, um, and and you have a partner, right? Because yes. we know that's not that's no easy task. No, that, that's a whole <laughs> like
1: that's that's a full-time job on it. So, yeah, <laughs> <right>? exactly. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually very lucky because I do have a very supportive partner. Um, he actually does a lot. So in terms of like our daughter, he does more for her than I do mm-hmm. because I do have the hospital job and I'm running my own business and now I'm pregnant, right? So he's been carrying a lot of like that responsibility is mainly him. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm very, uh, I'm very fortunate to have a supportive partner because I know that a lot of people don't um so that makes my life a lot easier um and in terms of cooking he does a lot of cooking too you know what that's I mean cool. so I'm at yeah so no, I'm actually no I don't <laughs> <laughs> um so I'm very fortunate in that sense too like coming home from work and he's already like has dinner going you know so oh, that's very yeah that's the yeah, best. Honestly, it is the best, right? And he's actually pretty health conscious himself. So he does like try to make healthy meals uh, for our family. So I'm very fortunate in that sense. And I think that's the only reason why I can do what I do and live the lifestyle that I live is because of him. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you know, I do my job at the hospital, like my hours were really good too. You know what I mean? Like I would leave, at three o'clock opposed to most people are working nine to five because like hospitals like after three o'clock no one's working so you can't really do anything right so I would have to leave like obviously doctors and nurses are working but in terms of like the system of like booking patients and Mm -hmm. exactly the clinics and stuff everything stops at three so after three o'clock there's nothing you can do so I would be home by like four o'clock which on an average family, like if someone's working till about five, they're not getting home till like six, six 30. Cause also that's like peak traffic mm-hmm. as well. Right. So I would come home before traffic. So I would have more time to work out and cook and spend time with my family and things like that. So I think in terms of like looking at my lifestyle, I just been very fortunate in terms of, um, like the hours that I have in a day to do things and I'm <laughs> um, very fortunate to have a supportive partner um, and also just to be aware too of the things that like I need to do and just I think time management is a huge thing for me because I also do a lot of my own work like my clinical work in terms of my uh, own business at nighttime mm-hmm. so after my toddler goes to sleep because I like to come home and I like to spend time with her and I like to spend time with my partner. And then we, you know, once he goes to sleep and she's asleep, then I get my work done. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah. And then I squeeze in workouts and yoga whenever I can. Cause like my ideal is to work every day to work out every day, but sometimes that's not realistic for me. So I do it when I can. and now i'm home right like i'm not going to be working at the hospital cuz mm-hmm. i'm i'm on maternity leave so i'm going to have some extra time hopefully i mean i don't know what it's like to have two kids mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. i'm hoping that i'll have time to work out every day mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah well there's a lot of people who do that so yeah it's not really impossible
1: That's the thing, right? Like, it's not impossible. I think it's just a mindset thing. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a time management thing. I think mothers are really good at time managing. Mm -hmm. I think that every mother is their own, like, their own entrepreneur, right? Because you have to manage the home and you have to manage your kids and you have to manage yourself. So you have to manage, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, the time that you have so that you can have time for yourself. And, Because also like I don't spend a lot of time, for example, like in front of the TV, like I prefer Mm -hmm. to, I prefer to work out and spend my time doing other things than sitting and, you know, watching Netflix for like three hours. So (laughs) yeah, and I know people do it and that's fine. But because like I have, my time is so limited.
0: Mm -hmm. I prefer to
1: like be doing other things.
0: Mm -hmm. it's a matter of choice in the end right if you're 100 uh, for example and a matter of lifestyle for example I don't have kids and Monica doesn't have kids like we have a ton of work to do but when when we need a break like of course we're not at as exhausted as moms are Mm -hmm. yeah but we do get tired so of we have, yeah. we have yeah. the alternative of just sitting down and watching Netflix for, for three hours if we want to. Exactly. It, it's a matter of choice and it's a matter of opportunity as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Uh, because from the point maybe one day we'll have kids, uh, me and my husband, and of course that's going to you know, change entirely. A hundred percent. It definitely so, changes
1: the dynamic of your lifestyle for sure. I'm pretty sure if I didn't have kids, my lifestyle would be very different and that I would probably sit in front of the TV for two hours. And then, you know. <laughs> um, but because I do, it's just I have to prioritize my time differently right, mm-hmm. than other people So because I don't have that time. So it's definitely Mm -hmm. a matter of choice and, but don't get me wrong. There are the days where I'm like, you know what, screw it. I've done enough work for the week. I'm going to sit in front of the TV until my brain goes (laughs) down. And then I sit there and I eat some chocolate and it's just like a whole junk food kind of day, you know, Mm -hmm. where I'm eating sugar and, you know, frying my brain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think you have you have to forgive yourself, well, not to forgive yourself because you're not doing ever anything wrong, but you know you just understand that you have to let it go. You know, there's some ways yep.
2: allow you... yourself this moment. Exactly,
0: exactly. Yes, yes, because you you need to just sit down and relax and watch something that is not like a little blue chicken going up yeah. and down <laughs> the <that laughs> screen. <laughs>
1: exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) like majority of the tv that i do watch is uh is cartoons for sure (laughs) yeah but that and to your point too like it's yeah it's definitely being easy on yourself too
3: Mm -hmm. especially if
1: you are a mom like i think that moms tend to feel guilty really easily Mm -hmm. for uh spending time on themselves and uh I think it's just a matter of just allowing yourself to do nothing for once.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's this woman that's very famous. It's, she talks a, a lot about maternal guilt. Oh, okay. How is And she talks in a way like it's natural. You know, you have to mm-hmm. embrace it because it is yeah. your fault. And it kind of drives me crazy. You know? Yeah. I'm not a mom. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to judge if it's right or wrong, but it does sound a little wrong, you know, to embrace that guilt and accept that it's going to be your fault when actually you're doing the best you can. Yeah, I,
1: yeah, like, I think that, I mean, I think it's a biological thing to feel guilty as a mom, because like, we're like programmed to think about our kids. Mm hmm. To make sure that they survive. Okay. Right. But like to embrace it and to constantly be like, okay, this is my fault and that's my fault. I don't think so. Because we're also like in a modern world, right? So like our kids are going to survive, hopefully. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's very simple nowadays to keep your kids alive. There's no like, yeah. <laughs> you know, bears or tigers trying to eat mm-hmm. your
0: child. Exactly. The chances of the, your children being eaten by a bear, they're. Close to zero, so. Exactly. So,
1: so, you know, I think that maybe just embracing the fact that that's a natural thing, but don't, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't like that either. I don't like that she says that. (laughs) 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 I think that, you know, like, if you feel mom guilt, I think that you shouldn't. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, moms, if you know you're a good mom and you're doing what you can, there's no reason why you need to feel guilty for you know, in my world, in the entrepreneur world, we talk amongst ourselves like mothers talk, you know, entrepreneur mm-hmm. mothers talk amongst ourselves and we mm-hmm. empower each other not to feel guilty of the amount of work that we do
0: because it's Yeah, for I was our going kids. to ask you about that because uh, you, you started uh, as an entrepreneur, you weren't, or you were?
1: Um, I wasn't. When you
0: started. I okay. wasn't
1: a mom when I started. Like, my, my first business, I wasn't a mom yet. And then my How second business. Change? So basically what changed is the fact that now I'm doing this for my kids. Mm-hmm. Before, I was doing it for myself and out of just, like, I still have the ambition, you know, that female ambition and that I want to grow in my business. But now I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing it for my family. Mm-hmm. Right. So my kid is my why. So I'm not going to feel guilty if I have to shut the door and go to work for a little bit, you know, um, because this is for them so that they can live a comfortable lifestyle so that they can, you know, mm-hmm. um, go and travel the world and learn a second language somewhere if they want to, <laughs> you know. So um, I we definitely there is definitely that topic in the entrepreneur world amongst mothers mm-hmm. who encourage each other not to feel guilty because of that, because you're doing it for your kids. So there's no reason to feel guilty. Yeah.
2: There, there is a woman here uh, in Brazil. She, her name is Thais Farage, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, she works with fashion. She has her business, and she's like super feminist. She's awesome. And she has a kid. She, she's a single and her her son is, uh, I don't know, five or six. So he's not a baby anymore, but he's at that age where I, I don't know. Maybe it's more difficult to take care of him, and like he demands more of her time. So, but she's always talking about. She's like super workaholic. And she's always talking about how important it is for her not to feel guilty that if she wants to spend time with him she can't feel guilty about not working and if she needs to work she can't feel guilty about not being with him and like it's not every day that she can do everything that she planned. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, she always talks about I will do like what I can what I have yeah. time to do, and that's, so it's, it's very important to have that um, notion, yes? If you are a mom, if you, even if you're not uh, an entrepreneur, interpre- uh, I can't say that word. <laughs> an on- entrepreneur. <laughs> entrepreneur, <laughs> even if you don't have business, but if you are a mom and you struggle with time, I think it's, uh, it's important to, to be conscious about, like, it's not your fault.
1: No, yes. definitely not, um, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah I think
1: this woman who has this notion that you need to feel guilty because it is your fault, I don't think she's <laughs> going down the right
0: path. No mm-mm. And I don't think that will serve her or her kids, yeah uh, well in the future.
1: No, definitely not. And I think there's so much pressure on women already, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, especially in this modern like world where, you know, women need to work and do things around the house and be the mother and be, you know, the trophy wife and there's so much pressure on us already. So why are we putting pressures on ourselves? Mm -hmm. Right. We need to like not put so much pressure on ourselves because there's already enough from the outside world.
0: Mm -hmm. So yeah. And and also we can change how
1: society sees us too. Yeah, exactly. Understanding our own limits and we mm-hmm. can change how society view women, views women because we can, you know, we can show that, you know, we're not super people. Mm-hmm. We're regular human beings yeah. and I will do whatever I have time to do that day.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So definitely letting go of that pressure on ourselves, I think, is very important.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we were sold that image that when you become, especially when you become a mom,
1: that mm-hmm. you're going
0: to be this super woman you're yes. going to be nurturing you're going to be flawless you're going to be like you're going to let yourself go uh, aesthetically wise a little bit yeah
1: mm-hmm.
3: but that's
0: okay because you're going to take you you you'll be taking care of others and that's yes. the greatest gift you know that mm-hmm. like you're taking care of everyone else and not you yeah and but if you don't take care of yourself if you're like, if your nails aren't done, then, oh, my God, you're not a woman anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you constantly have to juggle. We as people who live together with our spouses or we're constantly being like we demand so much of ourselves and people demand so much from us. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. OK, so you have a husband or a wife or whatever, a boyfriend. Uh, uh, so do you work? Seriously? Mm-hmm. Like, do you mm-hmm. still work? Oh, so you don't cook for him? Like, yeah. I have the time. Yeah. Ton, yeah. yeah. You know? like- exactly. Okay. Or my favorite. Oh, does he help you? <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> no, he doesn't help me. He, he lives here. Yeah. <laughs> so he. Cool, it's,
1: it's not yet. a guest, right? <laughs> and that's where we see too of like how we can change, right? Like how society is viewed and how society works is also demanding from our partners mm-hmm. the help, asking for help. Right. Cause I think that women in general we have a very hard time asking for help. Mm-hmm. right because like of that impression that's been put on us that we are the ones who have to do it all we have to take care of the house and the kids and ourselves and we have to work as well outside of the home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if we start to change that within our home then it kind of it becomes a ripple effect into society of how you raise your kids you mm-hmm. know hopefully i can raise my son to be a man who can understand that a woman's a human being and to help mm-hmm. out you know what I mean you have to do your own laundry you're a grown person right mm-hmm. so just changing that within your home um, I think can change society as well in general
0: yeah and not only you as a woman changing showing him but not you specifically but and you or your partner specifically but uh, mothers and fathers of boys Mm-hmm. understanding that they, they have to do their part as well. Yeah. They yes. have to pull their weight uh, yes. as well and show that, okay, your mother is not your maid. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And your father is not your maid. They're, yeah. they're there. And you have to do the dishes. Like yeah. if, you see, if you see your dad doing the dishes, if you see your dad uh, mm-hmm. doing the laundry or vacuuming or yeah, taking very the dog important. for a walk, you say, okay, so he's a man and he's doing it and becomes natural.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's it's like what you said, like your husband lives in your house or you guys mm-hmm. live together. They're still adults and they still should be able to like pull their weight into the home too. Especially, mm-hmm. especially, especially if both of you are working outside of the home mm-hmm. Yes, or within, or you work from home, whether you're, you know, if you're both bringing in financial, you know. Uh, if you're both like c- contributing to the home mm-hmm. financially, yes. I think that in terms of housework and all of that mm. stuff, uh, it has yeah. to be shared. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, for sure. All right. So to finish up, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can we find you? And people who are like touched by this conversation and want to seek you out or want to, you know, go for help. Uh, I don't poop every day. How do I poop every day? (laughs) How do Um, they find
2: you? I'm very worried about that. (laughs) Yeah, so if you are
1: worried about not pooping every day and the fact that you need to poop every day, you can, like Instagram is the best way to get in touch with me. Um, I'm very active on Instagram. So uh, finding me there. So it's Debra Mendez FN. So D E B O R A. M E N D E S F N on Instagram. That's how you can find me and you can DM me. You can comment on my posts, but direct message me for sure. I always respond. I always respond mm-hmm. to my viewers and my followers. And this is obviously a topic that I love to talk about. <laughs> if you need to talk about mom life, if you need to talk about, you know, whatever it is that we talked about in this whole podcast, you can totally message me and I'd love to hear what anyone's got to say. Okay.
2: Okay. Yeah, we covered. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we covered. We talked a lot about poop.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, for me, we didn't talk about poop enough, and I don't know about (laughs) We could do like a whole
1: poop episode. Poop episode. Yeah, if that's what people
2: want, then I can do a whole poop episode. Give them what they want, right? Exactly. Poop 101.
1: Amazing. (laughs) There you go. We already (laughs) have the title for it.
0: All right, so thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, ladies, for having me. I really, really appreciate this. I had so much thank
2: fun. You. Yeah, <laughs> we did me too. too. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah.
1: And yeah, I'll <sighs> keep you guys posted on the labor.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's no true, please. yeah,
0: yes. because it's totally. soon. No.
1: It's very soon. It's in, hopefully in a couple of weeks. So he'll he'll be Instagrammed once he's in this world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! Thank you so much, ladies. Thanks again. Thank you, girl. And, and yeah, we'll,
0: we'll see you soon. around.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: So take best care. Best. You too. Bye. Bye. People, Bye. bye.